giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hi, everyone. Hi. Thanks for tuning in, joining. We're going to be checking in on one of our incubator program participants today. If you haven't joined us before, uh, ThoughtBot runs a startup incubator, about an eight-week program for the early, early, early stage company idea, founder project to uh, validate that business, find the market, and start thinking about how you build that thing. So my name is Lindsay Christensen. I head up marketing here at ThoughtBot. And today I am joined by Jordan Bonds, who heads up the incubator program at ThoughtBot. And our guest of honor, uh, checking in once again, Josh Herzig-Marks, founder of Connect, the company going through the program. Thanks for joining. Super excited. I'm always excited. How is it going? How is your founder sentiment this week? Are you on a high? Are you on a low? I don't think I'm on a particularly high, high. I'm a pretty even keeled, chill founder. I think it's appropriately enthusiastic, but not excessively so, and definitely not at a, at a low trough. All right. Even keeled. We love appropriately enthusiastic it. because we're doing really cool stuff, and this is a lot of fun. Well, that's great. So, I mean, a big thing that you're working on, and especially the last time I checked in with you uh, in the really early stages, trying to find that target niche audience or invalidate like the problem with them. How is that going? How is that search for the people with the problem going? Yeah. So just to like rewind the clock for the folks who maybe haven't seen every one of these, you know, there's a few things that I was trying to figure out to validate whether this problem that I saw was an opportunity for business. And uh, Jordan, help me out if I forget some of these. So number one, is this a Josh problem or is this problem more broad? Question number two, is could we find an audience of people who are reachable, who share the problem, and who would be willing to actually pay for this thing? And you know, there's little asterisks after pay, right? People pay for things with money, but also with time or with reputation. Generally, we're thinking about money here ultimately, but do they pay for this thing even in time? Would they be able to do that? And the reason we're looking for that kind of a more narrow audience is because you got to build for somebody in the very beginning. This isn't like we're limiting ourselves to a narrow audience forever, but we wanted a set of people who we could design this thing for, right? Have prototypes, share it, and hopefully get some consistent feedback so we can build a thing which they would find useful and use that from there. Uh, that was two things. And the third thing is it's actually technically feasible. You know, the first time I was a founder, incidental to building our business, we built the world's fastest online transaction processing database that was processing like billions and billions of retail records in like the time it takes you to like click and drag and change the query that we're doing, which is really cool to say out loud and it demoed really, really well, but that isn't actually a business. And what I wanted is part of validating if this idea, if this problem was an opportunity was something that wasn't a science experiment. And I'd love to talk a little bit more about what we've been doing over the past week, maybe a little later on in this, because uh, I think it's been a big week for the science experiment or not validation stage of this thing. So two things we've also done over the past week and a half, two weeks since the last time we chatted, we have a prototype, which looks pretty good, which we can now use to show to people who we think are our core starting audience, our core starting market, and we actually have a core starting market. Both these things are pretty exciting. I mean, I'm always excited, but we're doing it. Like we're doing the thing that we're supposed to be doing. And I like that. That's really exciting. So core starting market is happening. Yeah. 
Do you want to talk about maybe how you got there? One of the reasons why I was excited about doing this program is Jordan and I share the understanding of this importance. But when you're like actually the founder, it's really hard to see this, right? Jordan is like the, I don't know quite how to describe it, but Jordan is the person who like made sure we stayed focused on this part of the effort. And yeah. like, it's a really key part of the ThoughtBot incubator. And it's one of the reasons why I'm really appreciative of having gone through the program. So Josh walked into the program with a problem that he had which is frequently how products get made and companies get founded. Like, that's fine. It's a great starting place. And as he listed, his question was, is this a Josh problem or is this a problem for more than just Josh? Because Josh is not a market segment. Josh is an individual human. <laughs> and a lot of us have product ideas that we would love to have exist so that we could use them, but that doesn't make them good market opportunities. I may or may not be speaking from experience in that regard. <clears throat> anyway. So the part of the programming here was to figure this out. And it's great to start with like, okay, well, if Josh is our primary user, who is Josh? Is there a market of Josh's, right? So we actually started off talking to those folks and you know, we're human beings and we tend to hang out with people like ourselves. And so Josh knew a lot of people like Josh. One of those people that he knew was me. I am like Josh in regard to this pain point. I also had it. And then I was connected to a bunch of people who had this pain point. So we broadly spoke to a lot of those folks at first. I don't know that we really had a persona name for this. I don't know. How would you frame this? As you yeah, know, like, I only have poor pejorative names for people like us. <laughs> oh, pejorative. Um, there's, you know, a class of people who are at tech companies and startups, and sometimes they start their own companies, and sometimes they work at companies, and sometimes they do coaching, and sometimes they do a little bit of investment. And sometimes they're on advisory boards and, you know, you kind of smoothly move from one thing to the next or often doing several of these things all at the same right. time. And there's not a really good name for them, but they're kind of people like, I might go so far as to say the three of us and maybe a lot of people who work at ThoughtBot and a lot of people we've all worked with in the past. And hopefully a lot of the people who are listening to this conversation because they too could slip into the founding a company stage of this business. So we've kind of loosely called those people most recently startup enthusiasts is our nickname. And there are a lot of folks under that umbrella. But as we talked to those people at this kind of high level, it was very broad. That sounds maybe sounds fairly specific to some of you out there listening, but it's not specific, nearly specific enough to address with a product. So we were talking, we were listening, getting people to talk to us. Hey, tell us about how you keep in touch with folks. How does that go? What do you do? Have you ever built your own spreadsheet to keep track of people you know. Tell us about that. Things, broad questions. And we were learning things and hearing about trends. It wasn't coming into focus. We weren't hearing enough repeatable things and we certainly weren't hearing about red hot pain points. It was like a, yeah, this is kind of a problem sometimes, but all the time. My system works more or less. Then we kind of found this range of personas. Some folks were just like, I'm awesome at this. It's not a problem. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, well, clearly that person doesn't need a product because they're feeling good. Great. The other end of the spectrum, you have people who are just like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> this isn't, they're the people who are like, I know what you're talking about, but I'm good at it. There are people who are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't care to ever do this. And then there was this broad set of people in the middle who were like, yeah, I have a problem with this, but we were hearing a lot of different things. In the course of that, Rami, one of the folks on the team, ended up talking to a journalist. And that conversation was very interesting because it did seem like way more of a red hot pain point with like something on the line. Uh, and we were like, oh, 
maybe we've been barking up the entire wrong tree and like startup enthusiasts aren't our people, journalists are our people. So then we did a whole sprint with journalists and realized that journalists is a very broad umbrella. <laughs> it's a lot of different kinds of journalists and a lot of different kinds of contexts. And they have widely varying pain points, habits, needs, wants. We were like, okay, we're hearing some really interesting things in here, but they don't seem like early adopters because they are not the kind of people that just try an app who are just like, Sure. New app. Cool. I'll try that. Startup enthusiasts are people who just like try stuff. They're like on product hunts. They're friends with a bunch of founders and those founders will like try this. And we're like, sure. Okay, sure. I'll try it. I'll log in. Log into anything once, right? Is kind of the attitude of this group of people. Journalists, not so much. And so it felt like it was going to be a really hard thing to address those folks. But we learned a ton and we really ended up mapping the emotional terrain in a lot of detail. And as a group, like we came to a lot of alignment. There was a lot of like really good understanding, deeper understanding, having gone on that journey. But where we ended up back was like, okay, startup enthusiasts really actually seem like a place to start. And it feels like there's enough of them uh, that they could create some kind of early adopter market. But now with the information that we had, the new information we had, we were like, let us subsegment this group of people. It's not everybody in that umbrella that doing that whole journey uh, enabled us to kind of come back to the question with renewed focus, but like conviction about how valuable it was going to be to do that, right? And sometimes that's what it takes. You kind of have to do the wrong thing for a second to appreciate doing the right thing. And that's totally fine. The fact that we were able to do that in what, five weeks is like, fine. And I think the way that we found the subsequent that made sense was actually pretty simple. Right. Once we understood what are the dimensions are actually important, we did a quick brainstorming session. This wasn't actually a very long process at the end of it, a quick brainstorming session. What are the different kinds of people who fall into the segment? And we just scored them on all the easy things you'd expect to score people on. Namely, are they easy to find and easy for us to reach? Do they advertise this quality of theirs someplace publicly, like perhaps on LinkedIn? And are they easy to find? Like, do we have enough of them inside of our network so we could like search for these kinds of folks? And as it turns out, we've already spoken to a lot of these kinds of folks as well. And primarily we're talking to repeat founders and or chiefs of staff at startups. If you are one of those people, please reach out to us. We'd like to talk to you. We would love action. So Josh, you mentioned one of the benefits of the program has been Jordan's ability to kind of laser focus on finding the target market. Yep. Jordan, how do you do that? How do you keep the team coming back to that, especially as sometimes it's maybe doesn't take that long. Sometimes it might feel like you're kind of circling around and around and still aren't finding anyone and keeping folks motivated to do that or understanding, you know, when are we going to say this is it? This is, you know, yep. we're not finding someone. I'll talk about how it worked in this case. And every team is different and is motivated by different things. And this process is a little different every time. So it's hard to make generalizations. But in this case, what was interesting is that after we did our journalist sprint and we were like, we do want to refocus on startup enthusiasts, but we need to understand a little bit better what we're doing. We actually prototyped a little bit, given what we knew, which seems like a bad idea (laughs) on the face of it seems premature. The purpose of doing that then was to really take a different path to drawing out of each of us what was in our minds. That's like so much of the work of a team at this stage is like making sure that we're externalizing the things that we're thinking and the assumptions that we have 
And it's, it's strange. You would think you would just be like, Hey, tell me what's in your mind, but minds don't work that way. You can't just be like, Hey mind, what's up? And then articulate it perfectly in a way that everybody in this group is going to know what you mean. So prototyping actually drew a bunch of that stuff. It really, I think that was the moment. I don't know, Josh, how you feel about it. We had been kind of in the doldrums because we did get to the end of that journalist sprint. You know, like, what are we doing? What have we learned? And prototyping at that moment enabled us to, it was a different way of understanding what we had learned and what we were yeah. all now thinking. And it really drew a bunch of dynamics out that it was super helpful. It brought some real sharpness to what we thought we'd be able to, the kind of value we thought we could deliver in the early versions of this thing, right? Fast forward two years, who knows? But it brought some sharpness to the kinds of problems that we thought we'd be able to fix and the kinds of problems we thought we couldn't solve. And that also clarified for us, certainly for me, why, oh, here's why this isn't really landing with the journalists, right? And here's why this isn't really landing with some other kinds of folks we were talking yeah. to. And, biz dev folks. You know, we talked to a bunch of biz yeah. dev folks. Wasn't going to land with them, but yeah. Weren't at all excited about it. And then we can nope. kind of understand why. One of the ways that I think about a prototype, and I talk about this a lot, and I love doing this, somebody called this the uh, a Pinocchio prototype, the wooden child who wants to be a real boy. Once we had a prototype, we could actually put it onto our actual phones. And I'm not sure how many other people did this on the team besides me, but like I would carry my phone around with a prototype on it. And every time I thought I might use it, I would pull the damn thing out of my pocket and like tap away on the phone. It gave me, a again, a very clear sense of the kinds of things I thought we were moving towards solving and the kinds of things that we weren't really solving. Yeah, Josh, you mentioned there were some exciting developments in the past week. Is that around the prototype? This is one. Having the prototype on there was good. It's also really nice to have this be part of a larger team. I was having a hard time. I've been playing with like our design team's paper prototype. I was having a hard time communicating what I was trying to do inside of my head. So I built my own parallel prototype in Google Slides, which was exactly as awesome looking and as functional as everybody listening is imagining it must have been. If you would like your own copy of my Google Slides app development template, please reach out. I will share it. <laughs> but it let me think a little bit. Again, the same thing, like here's how these things fit together. And then it started moving really, really fast. Once we were all putting things down in a way that we could play with and touch and talk about in a concrete way, it felt like that part of things started to move really fast. And the quality of our conversations improved with our people we're talking to as well. I would say that's half of the things that are really exciting. Just to continue on the prototype for yeah. a second, Jordan mentioned a major outcome of starting to use the prototype. Well, I guess a few that you all as a team got better aligned around what you were envisioning for the solution. And then it also helped you again, kind of identify the true target market. Are there other things you're already learning from using the prototype and getting it in front of people? Yeah, I think there are. By the way, this is like, shouldn't be surprising. This is like the classic diverge converge model that I know uh, ThoughtBot uses all the time with not just startup clients when you're building something new. One of the things which, you know, rewind the clock six and a half weeks ago to when we started this thing, I didn't realize how much intelligence would be required behind the scenes to make this thing actually sensible to the final users. And the more we show it to people, the more we realize that like intelligence to make things look simple is going to equal people actually using the damn thing. I think we started to see that ourselves when playing with it, but it's really important to have that be validated by actual potential users who aren't like in this shit themselves. I mean, immediately, you know, we were able to start showing the prototype to the folks mm -hmm. we were having interviews with. And there's just nothing better than that because they're not going to pull their punches with you. 
And we got a lot of great immediate sort of spicy feedback. <laughs> people, especially if you're showing them to people who are like startup people, <laughs> they're just not going to be nice. Uh, and like, so there's a lot. Have you considered making this suck less? Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't use this at all. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. like, okay, thanks. Tell me how you really feel. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, like, there's nothing better than that. Like, I would way rather that than a bunch of people trying to be polite. And it also prompts feedback that we wouldn't necessarily have thought of, which is the idea of this. We wouldn't have necessarily thought of this on our own. Like the idea that sometimes you might want to not take an action. You don't really care about a person, but sometimes you really like dislike a person so much who you've been talking to, you want to never see them again, right? Never show me this person again is a thing that we never would have come to, I think, if we hadn't like actually been showing the prototype to end users. Okay. What is the second half of the exciting thing that happened in the past week? This is very much a ThoughtBot thing. ThoughtBot is full of really talented engineers. And over the past couple of days, we've been able to bring a lot of those folks to bear on the question of like, is this thing technically feasible or not? Which was one of my big concerns. And it turns out that was probably too large a question for the team that we started with. And to be able to like do this like little discovery spike with, you know, going beyond the three and a half ThoughtBotter team that we had to some of your most talented, most experienced engineering leads. Not forever, but just for like a short moment is kind of, for me at least, like a real taste of like the ThoughtBot value is, you know, Jordan gets to put out a call for assistance, you know, across the company and people raise their hands and put real time in. And, you know, we're able to do something in a couple of days that we probably couldn't have done because we have enough people and, you know, all those like network effects that people coming together that could have taken us, you know, weeks or longer, just kind of toiling on our own. For those technical challenges... Maybe you don't want to get into specifics, but in broad strokes, can you talk about what some of those considerations are? And maybe at this point, maybe it makes sense to also talk a little bit about like how the the solution, how you're thinking about the evolution of what the solution is and provides. I have an Android phone. I live in the world as a green bubble in a world of blue bubbles. My partner and I are in a interfaith relationship. She has a iPhone. I have an Android phone and forever people are accidentally trying to hit up my like iMessage account tied to my email address and the things don't come through. And all of a sudden this company someplace in the US figured out some way to like reverse engineer the Apple messages, iMessages protocol so I can put iMessages onto my Android phone. They built this thing. It's been like all over the tech news recently. This is the problem if you're trying to bring together all of somebody's social network is that there is no like handy dandy API for iMessages. There is no handy dandy API for regular SMS or RCS or any of those other variations of that. There is no handy dandy API for WhatsApp, for Telegram, sort of ish, kind of maybe for Slack, not really for Discord, remains to be seen how mature it is for LinkedIn. By the way, email works great, right? If we just build our entire lives off of email, we'd have none of these problems, but we can't. And we had some hypotheses about ways that we could make connecting these other accounts easier. And we just took like an awful lot of hands, right? More than two hands. It took more than two hands to figure out if these things were possibilities, if those things turned out to be true. And if the answer is if they are true, which we're still working to figure out, though it's looking better and better, this isn't a science experiment, right? And if it's not true, then step one is an awful lot of engineer hours to go do what those deeper mini folks did and reverse engineer a whole bunch of protocols and systems that were never intended to be open in the first place, which is why like we should all say. donate to EFF and promote an open internet so that startups like mine don't need to exist. 
to loop back to your earlier question, Lindsay, about how to keep a team focused on who something is for, this conversation seems like it's not about that. But to me, this conversation is also about that because we have a long list of messaging platforms that we have heard from folks right from interviewing them would be useful to have brought into a single place. This was part of one of the key pain points that Josh has that we heard from other people, which is like, when you connect with people across platforms, right? You might be connected to someone on LinkedIn, but you're also emailing with them. Your email history with them is not a complete history of your life with them. None of your online stuff is going to be a complete history because sometimes you actually interact with people in reality, which is still at this moment, not being recorded all the time, but probably not as for little long. as possible. <laughs> but still, even within the online world, you're communicating with people across platforms. Maybe you text with someone, maybe you message on LinkedIn, whatever. And having complete context for your relationship with them in a way that makes it really easy to kind of like boot up that context in order to reach out to them for some reason. Like maybe you haven't talked in six months and you just want to remember, where did I leave this relationship? What's going on with this person, right? You're like, where was I talking to them? Oh, I was talking to them in these four places that don't have very good protocols for being brought into the same interface, right? So like the stuff is like all connected. But to get back to the who question, we had this list of places we'd heard from people like in the early interviews and places that Josh was trying to do this, connect with people, et cetera. So it's like Slack DMs and it's email and it's LinkedIn, whatever. But we also heard Telegram and we also heard other things. If we don't sufficiently focus on a, a narrow enough group of people, we risk making the MVP way too big because it needs to connect with every one of these things. And we can't go to market with something that doesn't connect with 12 platforms, right? Or something, right? But because we're sufficiently focused, we could actually do the thing where we're like, okay, well, out of this list of platforms, what are like the top five? What, where is the line? Where is minimum viability here with what we can connect with that will actually bring value? And I also am an Android user living in an iPhone world. And Josh and I at least have enough awareness to be like, you know what? Maybe Android isn't necessary, even though we would love for it to be there. Nine times out of 10, the people that look like us are using iPhones, right? So great. Let's just do the thing. Obligatory iPhone test device. Great. I have one too, but it's, I don't know where it is. So like the question of who really matters, who like really helps you focus. If your answer to who is anybody with a smartphone, well, like it's going to be really tough to build an actual MVP that's buildable. So this question that Josh brought into us, which is like, what's technically feasible here really intersects very directly with this question of who are we building for? because you really want to be able to start somewhere. And, you know, if you have a sufficiently red hot need and it's not like to time travel or something that is like probably impossible given the, law, the laws of our universe, you can find a way, right? And so the question was like, why don't, why don't we find that so that we can focus on whether it's worth finding a way? And that intersection of who it's for, what their pain points are and what's possible with what amount of effort it all fits together. No single one of those pieces is sufficient for figuring out a path forward. And are you taking the, you know, okay, we've got really good sight on the startup enthusiasts and these are their top four communication methods. Let's try to solve them. Is that the approach? More or less. Yeah. Yes. It's like, can we interface with those top? I think for us, it's like a top five, maybe six. five or six. 
but like the first one on there is email and that's not a problem. Like we don't, that's fine. LinkedIn is also not a problem. One and two are email and LinkedIn. Good. We're cool with that. That's okay. Because every individual has their own thing. So, you know, you may be talking about long tail services, you know, but for the person who uses Telegram as their like daily driver, which isn't most people in the US, but as a lot of people abroad, not having Telegram means it isn't it useful. And I think that's one of the things that's hard about this, right? This is a hard business, potentially, or it's really easy. We have no idea yet. And that's part of what I find exciting about this is because over the next, you know, week or so, we'll find out how hard a business this is actually, or at least where are the technically difficult parts. Great segue. Yeah. What does the next week look like as we've got market niche prototype? technical feasibility, intersectioning, figuring those things out. What exciting things are on the horizon? What's next? So we have about two weeks left. And at the end of two weeks, we're going to end up with a set of high quality prototypes, which you know are easy for any of us to have on our phones and to flash around to rando strangers we meet at the grocery store because there's no better way to make friends than product testing. And we'll have a good sense of how big and complicated and complicated in what ways might it be to build this thing. And then it's time for Josh to make some decisions around, you know, the whole goal of this is to figure out like how big an opportunity is this is to go and do that. What could growth look like? What could pricing look like? Where might the cost be? What would the cost be to build this? Is this like a side gig scale thing? Is this small, you know, angel funded startup thing? Is this like a VC size thing? I really hope it's not a VC size thing. And then to think about, you know, what are the resources that would be required to build it and where might those resources come from? So at the end of this, two weeks out from now, I think we'll have all the information, you know, that we need. And then I know a whole bunch of people inside of ThoughtBot who are in a great place to provide their own thoughts and advice and experience and feedback on this. And I'll take this to my personal uh, board of directors, including my family, but also, you know, other experienced entrepreneurs and investors I know, and we'll talk through this and we'll have to go make some decisions which is a little scary and a little bit fun, but a nice way to kick off 2024. And a lot easier to do after. This we'll have program. some real information, right? <laughs> yes. That's the goal, right? Of the incubator yeah. to get you in that spot where you can make educated decisions and get others up to speed really quickly with all that That's right. research. That's right. That's great. All right. So you had a call to action earlier. What was that? Oh, if startup enthusiasts are listening, we want to chat with them and talk to them about yeah. the solution. If you're a founder, if you're a multi-time founder and either done a couple times in the past or you're still doing it, reach out. If you are a startup chief of staff and you can define that role for yourself, please reach out. Uh, we'd love to talk to you there as well. If you would like a copy of Josh's free wireframing template for mobile apps, please reach out and I will be happy to provide you that as well. Amazing. Thank you once again, Josh and Jordan, for joining and catching us up. It, it definitely was an exciting update. I can't wait to hear what happens in the final stretch. Me too. Did you know ThoughtBot has a referral program? If you introduce us to someone looking for a design or development partner, we will compensate you if they decide to work with us. More info on our website at tbot.io slash referral, or you can email us at referrals at thoughtbot.com with any questions. <laughs>